And right now, it's up to Frank Reich to pull it out of the fire. This has been one of the most stunning comebacks I think you could ever hope to see in a college football game. Not the first time Frank Reich would defy all odds to pull his team from the jaws of defeat. Reich to throw. In zone. Touchdown. The greatest comeback in the history of the NFL. Toughness. Perseverance. Eyes on the prize. Qualities that have given now NFL head coach Frank Reich the tools to overcome adversity and disappointment. When we see those scars, we remember exactly how we had that injury, exactly what it felt like. But then they also serve to motivate us to overcome. Sometimes when you hit rock bottom, that's when a new beginning starts. And so as I've gone through my life as a Christian, whether it's been as a husband, as a father, as a football player, as a football coach, this has always been one of my prayers. Lord, help me to be a courageous man of God. Indianapolis Colts coach Frank Reich, also an ordained minister on faith, family, and football on this edition of the Business and Beyond podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 82 of the Business and Beyond podcast presented by PNC. I'm Gary Dick. Frank Wright grew up in rural Pennsylvania, farmland near the small city of Lebanon. As far back as he can remember, Frank either had a helmet on his head, baseball cleats on his feet, or a basketball in his hands. A natural fit since both mom and dad were teachers and coaches and huge influences on his life. Reich played quarterback not far from home at the University of Maryland, where in 1984, he led the greatest comeback in college football history. He did it again eight years later behind center for the Buffalo Bills in a wildcard game against the Houston Oilers. That one still stands as the biggest comeback ever in the NFL. Now, Frank Reich is entering his fifth season as head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. And I am really pleased to be joined by Indianapolis Colts head coach Frank Reich. And uh, coach, thanks for joining us, especially very busy time for you. You're right in the middle of the preseason as we tape this. Just coming off uh, yesterday, uh, game against the Detroit Lions, a close loss, two close losses to start the preseason. I know scores are, are rarely meaningless in the in the preseason, but your, your take, right, where the team is right now, what's, uh, what's your take on uh, kind of the status for this year? I really like where we're at right now, Gary. Um, we've made the progress in all the areas that we wanted to make. We're not there yet. You know, we have another week of training camp left, another preseason game left. So we need to take important steps this week. But I think that when you look at the mileposts and the boxes that you want to check as you progress through training camp, I feel good about where we're at. What you know, there there are a lot of expectations. I think uh, many years there are those expectations, but I think there's a real excitement about this team this year. Some new faces. What what excites you uh, about uh, about this edition of the Indianapolis Colts? I would agree. I feel I feel the excitement. There's always excitement at this time of the year, but I feel a heightened sense of it, Gary. From a, you know my time out in the community as I just out here and there, and that's exciting. I think we all feel like this team has been built. Uh, from the ground up, Chris Ballard's done a great job and his staff and feel like we continue, each year we've assembled pieces that have made us better. And I think this year is no exception to that. Um, you know, we acquired 
pieces in all three phases, offense, defense, and special teams that I think we feel like have made us a better team. And we've been a pretty good team in the last four years. Playoffs twice, only one playoff win, but um, a team that uh, I think we feel is close. And uh, so we feel the excitement. And then, Gary, the other thing I would say briefly is what makes me excited is the, the quality of the leadership of our players, you know, and the maturity of them. Many of these guys that we drafted, you know, Quentin Nelson, Darius Leonard, as rookies, you know, now going into year five, their level of maturity and leadership just continues to grow. And when you talk about that, those intangibles, talk about from your perspective, coach, the importance of that leadership element, which not every team has, no matter what level you're talking about. Some have it, some don't. How important is that? Is that leadership piece? Really important. There's a quote that we mentioned more than on more than one occasion in this training camp that says, you know, good teams, players hold coaches accountable. Great team, players hold players accountable. And I, I think that's what it takes when you look at championship teams over the years in a variety of sports. The leadership of the players is able to help elevate the team in the locker room to a level because it's internal, because it's coming from the players that um, that the coaches can't take. Coaches have a big responsibility and a big, big job. But really, you got to go as far as your leadership can take you from the locker room. Traditionally, a quarterback is a leadership position. When you look at a guy like Matt Ryan, and I've just read some things about his his leadership and the fact that he is a guy who holds others accountable. Talk about uh, Matt Ryan, what the Colts are getting in Matt Ryan, and especially from a leadership standpoint. Very mature leader. You know, 14, this is 15th year, 14 years of experience has achieved and accomplished a lot in his career, taking a team to the Super Bowl, has the nickname Matty Ice, you know, has been has been big time in the clutch. So uh, that brings a level of confidence and credibility that I think the team feels. But he doesn't have a big ego, and that's what I think everybody respects. You know, so what the way Matt would talk about it, I believe, would be not calling guys out, it's calling guys up. We want, we want to each make each other better. So – um, Matt has a great way about how he does that. And I think the guys respect that. He's not the only one who does that, but certainly it comes, it means a lot coming from his voice and his experience. Is there anything that, 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 that fans who look at Matt Ryan and see the player, anything you think they should know about Matt Ryan that they probably don't anything that might surprise them about Matt Ryan, the person. Well, I don't know if, it, I don't think it would surprise them because he's got such a stellar reputation in this league for so long because of the integrity uh, that he has as a person and as a player, you know, he's very authentic, very genuine, very professional, um, very unselfish, you know, team first guy, very family oriented. You know, this guy's an A plus, you know, from top to bottom. And I think that the fans here, Colts nation are going to see that feel that. You became the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts in 2018, but that was your second visit here. You, you really got your professional coaching start here, right, as a coaching intern. That's right. You know, Tony Dungy, uh, thankfully, um, and Bill Polian, you know, hired me, uh, you know, in my first job as a quality control, really came as an intern, obviously, for a couple of years, a uh, couple of weeks here, a couple of weeks there, a couple of months here as an intern, then got a job as quality control under Tony Dungy for one year. And then Jim Caldwell took over and Jim was gracious enough to allow me to stay on and become the quarterback coach. And you know, work with Peyton Manning. That was an incredible experience. When you think back, when you reflect back, because I think your path to coaching, when you were 
ending your career or looking ahead to your post uh, playing days, you you went into the ministry, right? That's right. You know, it's always been a very important part of my life. Um, when I finished playing as a player, I was getting out and doing a lot of ministry activity. And then my my we have my wife and I have three daughters. They're all very young. And uh, when I retired, young, I think there were eight, six, and two. And so I wasn't quite ready. You know, I knew coaching. The dem- I knew I always wanted to go into coaching, but I felt like I, in many respects I'd already been doing some ministry work as a player. And so I made the decision had opportunities to go into coaching, decided not to, decided to do more ministry work, decided to get a a degree, a master's of divinity degree, further my education and understanding there of how to serve people and make an impact in that regard. And and at the same time doing that, I knew I could be at home more for my young, for my three young daughters. And, And that was very, that was a big priority to me. So was able to piece that together in a way that really changed the impact of my life. And I think helped me be prepared for this role that I have right now as a head coach. Yeah. Where did that importance that you place on faith? Is that something that just started in the home as a child or where, where did that, where did that come from? Yeah. Those seeds were planted for my parents for sure. But then as I, you know, I like anything it's, it's, you've got to make it, each one of us have to make it our own at some point, you know, you've been taught the right things and, but at some point you got to make it your own. And for me, the short story was, you know, I football was everything to me. And then I, in my senior year of college, I got a shoulder injury that looked like it was going to um, destroy my chances to play pro football, which was my dream, and really left me at a point personally, a uh, point of crisis where, um, you know, that's really where I think I dug deep down into my faith roots to, and really tested me in a way to see, do you really believe this stuff or was it just something that, you, you know, you went to church every now and then? And it was, I think, during that crisis moment and during that crisis year, if you will, I think it really made me realize, no, this this is the foundation of my life. This is something that I take very seriously. This is what's going to be the rock that I hold on to. Yeah. Coach, what what moment or what was there a moment that kind of steered you toward the, the coaching route, you know, from the seminary to the, the, the coaching route? Well, I mean, you know, my dad was a high school football coach. My mom was a track and field coach, a field hockey coach, a cheerleading coach. Um, my brother's a coach. You know, it was kind of in our family blood, as they say. Um, so I always figured I'd go that route, was wired in that direction. And then my rookie year, my rookie year after playing in the for the Buffalo Bills, Bill Poley and the general manager called me in. And actually helped give me a vision for being a coach in this league. He said, Frank, you're going to play a long time in this league. And when you get out, I want you to come coach with me. And I could see you being a head coach in this league one day. That was in 1980. That was in 1985. And so, you know, I really credit Bill Polian for, you know, helping me have a vision for that. For And then supporting me in that vision. Sure enough, when I did retire, he, he did call me and ask me to come and coach. And has been really with me every step of the way. What has been, or I'm sure there have been numerous elements, but but what's been most important to you in that progression, that 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 path from that very early time when Bill Polian made that statement to you, you had a vision, you had a dream, but what, what was the most important, some of the most important steps along the way that helped you develop and eventually become a head coach in the National Football League? You know, I just think it's, uh, you know, enjoying, you know, the joy is in the journey, as they say, enjoy the process, enjoy the people. You know, I never wanted to be the kind of guy who was just going to, hey, always looking for the next job. That that's, that wasn't what I was doing. Um, I wanted to do 
the job that I had with excellence and with integrity. I wanted to earn the respect of the people that I worked with and for. And I, I really wanted to have fun in the process. And all at the same time, while being in one of the most competitive and most fun industries you know, in the world, as far as I'm concerned, I, I, I love the game of football. I love competing at the highest level. So all of those steps along the way were really important. Had great success uh, along the way, certainly as offensive coordinator with the Eagles, won a Super Bowl. I know this gets asked a lot, but uh, the difference between being a head coach and assistant coach, offensive coordinator, enormous responsibilities, obviously. But what's what are the big differences for folks who may not realize the difference between a head coach and an assistant? I mean, yeah, being the head coach, it's just everything, right? I mean, there's like that, like every head coach will tell you, there's 10 or 20 things that are going to come up every day that, you know, that you, that are not on your schedule, conversations, decisions that need to be made. And then at the same time, you're no longer just the offensive coordinator. You know, now you're the head coach. So, you know, you got to get involved with the defense, special teams, and you, you really want to serve the whole team, the whole organization in a way that, can help, you know, create the culture that you know is going to produce uh, the most consistent and best product week in and week out. You want to give a vision for that. You need to create the, help set in place the processes for that to happen and then, you know, get the right people. And that's where, for me, Gary, you know, kind of partnering in this venture with Chris Ballard has been great because we really are like-minded in that regard. And I think together, you know, we've made some good progress there. You know, thanks to the players, thanks to the support of the Ursays family and the support that they've given us, um, you know, in this, you know, in this journey we're on. Yeah, you mentioned the Ursays. Uh, Jim Ursay, describe Jim Ursay as an owner. Love him. Love everything about him. He's football through and through. Highly intelligent, highly passionate, very experienced in the game, you know, has been through, you know, didn't just walk, you know, worked as an equipment guy, worked, you know, did everything. He worked his way up in the organization and then became the owner. He's extremely knowledgeable. He's very quick-witted of having conversations with him after games, especially when we win. But even when we lose, he's always got great insight and wisdom into the game itself. He gives back uh, a tremendous amount to community, some that's publicized, a lot that isn't. And I know that that's, uh, that's important to you as well, you and your wife, Linda, I know launched the uh, Not Today uh, organization. I think it's a foundation focused on awareness, prevention of sexual abuse, uh, exploitation uh, of children, trafficking. Talk about why you did that and the impact that you think that that organization is making. Yeah, I mean, it's really a a commitment that we have to want to give back, Gary. Um, This is an area my wife has served, you know, as a volunteer for many years in this area, you know, just have a a passion and desire to protect children, you know, the, the the people that are supposed to, you know, when it comes to sexual abuse, exploitation and trafficking, unfortunately, it comes at the hands of the very people, the adults that are many times supposed to protect them. And rather than protecting them, they're being exploited. And so, you know, really our mission is to protect the beauty and innocence of, of every child. And so, uh, you know, I'm very thankful for the support that we've gotten from so many, as you mentioned, the Ursay family has been incredibly generous to help us kick off this thing, but so many others in the community and really around the country. When you start talking about protecting children from sexual abuse and exploitation, it's 
been really encouraging how many people just are quickly like, what can I do? Or how can I help? Or what can I give? So, you know, we've been at this now for four years and we've made a lot of progress, excited about the progress that we're making, working day and night to protect, protect, to protect children. Yeah. Coaching, or I should say uh, professional football is a business. Uh, since we're a business show, I want to touch on the business side of things. Uh, for you, you know, you've got uh, got to be one of the toughest parts of your job is cutting the roster down, which you're going to have to do here pretty soon. T- talk about that, that whole process and what that's what that's like. Uh, I, I know you get, you face some really tough decisions. How do you deal with those? Gut-wrenching decisions. Gut-wrenching. You know, these are players that you spent the whole offseason with, sometimes a couple of years with. Um, these are always very difficult decisions. You know, this is everyone's dream, you know, to play in the National Football League, and, and you hate to have to make a decision that, that's going to hurt hurt their chances of that. But and what I've experienced, though, Gary, is that if you're just honest with players and and you know, and you believe in players, and you just give them the respect that they, they're due, and give them their opportunity. They they do respect that. And then, you know, if a guy, excuse me, if a guy doesn't make the team, oftentimes he he goes somewhere else and has a great career somewhere else. And so, so any way you can support them in that. But there's no there's no getting over the fact that you know to call a guy in and say, hey, we're going to have to release you. Uh, just thank you for your contribution. You've been a true pro. This is a tough decision. Um, there's nothing easy about that conversation. Much more with Indianapolis Colts head coach Frank Reich when we return. Uh, Frank Reich, the early years, we'll talk about the big comebacks that he is very much known for uh, and a lot more when the Business and Beyond podcast returns. This is Alex Brown. Get caught up on the state's top business news every business day with Inside Indiana Business Radio On Demand. This twice-daily podcast features our statewide Inside Indiana Business Radio reports with additional bonus content that you can listen to anytime, anywhere. You can listen now on the podcast page at InsideIndianaBusiness.com or subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Business and Beyond podcast presented by PNC. I'm really pleased to have as my guest this week, Indianapolis Colts head coach, Frank Reich. And uh, coach, uh, you grew up, you're a Pennsylvania guy, right? Lebanon, PA was, uh, is your hometown. That's right. And uh, proud of that. Actually, I was born in Long Island, just lived there for a very short time um, before my parents moved to, uh, you know, to Lebanon, PA. Yeah. And uh, where my dad was a school teacher, where my dad was a school teacher at Levin High School, and my mom was a school teacher at Cedar Crest High School. So those are great years, and still look forward to when I can get back into my hometown, which is not a whole lot, but every now and then, um, yeah, it's great, great years. What? Uh, what? Tell me, what was growing up, uh, growing up like for Frank Wright? Yeah, it was. You know, it was like it was a rural area, you know, farm country. Um, and it was for me, it was it was sports 24-7. You know, if I wasn't, you know, my parents were school teachers, so education was always a priority. So I did work hard at school and always worked hard to try to be a good student. But when I wasn't doing that, I was I was on some type of playing field, a football field, a basketball court or a baseball field or something. I was always playing sports or doing something. 
Yeah. Well, and you've answered the question, I think. Uh, I want to talk about your parents. Obviously, they were coaches, they were coaches teachers, and instilled that, uh, that importance of faith in you. How important was the upbringing that you received from your parents uh, in uh, creating the person you are today? I, there's no words, Gary, to be able to describe uh, the influence and the impact that they had on me. My dad was this huge man, 6'4", you know, 250. I mean, he was a he was a uh, you know captain of Penn State team drafted to the NFL a, a mountain really? of a wow. man and a very intimidating man, um, but he was a gentle giant in his own right, and he taught me you know what unconditional love was all about. Where he you know he'd sit up in the stands and watch me play, and whether I threw four touchdowns or four interceptions you know, it was always the same response. You know, I knew he loved me. I knew that my position as his son was never on the basis of how many touchdowns or how I performed on the field. But yet at the same time, while he gave me that unconditional love, he held a high standard, like, you know, the Reichs, we were going to do things a certain way. And, you know, and he wouldn't let us slack on those standards. So that combination of, of this unrelenting, unconditional love, but this also unrelenting, uh, push to maintain high standards um, is something that was a, was ama- is amazing, and I just think it's very hard to do. And he did it so well. And then my mom was just her gift was the gift of encouragement. You know, you anybody that was having a bad day, just go talk to my mom, and you spend five minutes with my mom, and you're going to think you're the greatest person on earth. That's just the way she made everybody feel. That's a special talent, indeed. Wh- when did you begin to realize that? Uh, Football may be a, a career option, certainly a college option. When, when did that start to click? I, you know, in high school, I thought I was a decent player, you know, maybe all-state team. But I, I didn't know. I certainly had that dream when I was in high school. And then I got to college, university, got a scholarship. So knew I had a chance, but then got there and I was a backup to Boomer Assize. And he was only a year old. And Boomer was a very good quarterback, very accomplished. So I really didn't get a chance to play until my senior year. And so it was a, I had a very short window or opportunity to, you know, prove myself in that regard. So that's why education was always important to me. I had a finance degree. I worked very hard on my education. I, I knew that the football career was never guaranteed to me. So, you know, I was prepared to go another route if needed. What was it, What was the recruiting process like? Did, did, were, did you get interest from a lot of schools? What was it like? Yeah, I mean, I got interest. I wouldn't say I was the most highly recruited athlete. You know, I was recruited by, you know, Penn State, Purdue, you know, Maryland, Virginia were some of the top schools that I was recruited by. Some of those are some amazing schools. Um, but I just had a, I loved Maryland. Maryland was about two and a half hours from my hometown. I know I wanted to go business school. They had a very good business school. You know, their, their brand of football at the time was something I identified with. And so, yeah, it was a, it was an easy decision for me. No, no NIL money back then, right? <laughs> no, no, no. That was the first thing going on back then. What, what, hey, just be interested in your take. What, do you have any perspective or take on the state of college athletics now with the NIL, the, the, the transfer portal, just so many things swirling around, especially when it comes to, to football? Yeah, that's such a great question. I probably am not the person, but I get so involved, you know, and yeah. it's, it seems a little bit much to me, but I really don't know the inner workings of it. And my children are all out of college. So, and, and they're there, I have three daughters. So 
but although two of them were Division One athletes, they they weren't in that era. So it seems pretty challenging, a pretty intense environment for the young kids today. I'm sure there's benefits to it. I'm sure there's some difficulties that come along with it, but um, I probably don't follow it that closely. Yeah. Hey, I've got to ask you, I know you've been asked 10,000 times, so I apologize, but you you authored a quarterback uh, while you were at Maryland, the greatest comeback in NCAA history against uh, Bernie Kosar's Miami team, down 31 nothing at the half. He came back a 42-9 second half, winning the game 42-40. What do you remember about that? Or I, I mean, I'm sure you remember a lot of stuff, but is there a big takeaway from that game or something you really remember special about that big comeback? Oh man, Gary, I mean, you can get me talking to this, so we can go, we can go a long time. But if I were to summarize, if you know, in that game, what was unique about that was I had been injured and I came off the injury and, and I only played the second half of that game. And it just really taught me, it just really taught me perseverance. It just really taught me perseverance, you know, as far as waiting for that opportunity. And then when the opportunity came, just as far as football itself was concerned. You know, we're losing 31 nothing. You can't make it all up at once. It really just taught me one play at a time. Just one play at a time. It takes a total team effort. And, uh, you know, that, that's the way you got That's the mentality you have to have. Yeah, and it's something you have, obviously, because you did it again with the Buffalo Bills against the uh, then Houston Oilers in that uh, greatest comeback in NFL history. Is it, You talk about one play at a time. Uh, there's got to be something, too, about the quarterback, in your case, instilling – confidence in the team that that it can be done. I mean, you know, you're down 31 nothing whatever the deal is, you know, most most a lot of guys are going to be hanging their heads and say, you know, we're not we can't win this game. It, it, it was that part of it too, just trying to get a confidence going with the team that it can be done. There's no question, Gary. I mean, you know, I often uh use the example the the, the the biblical example of David and Goliath, you know, where David beats the giant, you know, David beats the giant. But then, of course, anybody who's studied that story knows that David had also first defeated the bear and the lion, you know, in the wilderness when he was tending the sheep. So when he goes to face the giant, he's not only prepared, but he's confident. And the, and the whole army around him feels his confidence. So I'd like to think that my college experience, that one play at a time mentality served me well when I got to the NFL and when we're losing 35 to three to the Houston Oilers and you got to step into the huddle and, you know, say something to the guys. It's one play at a time. And you can hopefully say it with some conviction because you've already killed the lion and the bear. You know, you know, this can be done. You've already done this or been a part of this. And so I think that there's nothing for that substitution of experience like that. And that confidence that comes with it. You played for, uh, Hall of Fame coach and Marv Levy. Talk, talk, talk about him. I personally, I I just love to hear that guy talk. Uh, you know, he just he just seems like uh, it's just a, an interesting guy. Obviously, seems like a master motivator. What do you remember most? And maybe what did you take away most from uh, playing for and being associated with Marv Levy? And so much, uh, such a huge influence on my life. Still talk to him. You know, I, I call him every training camp, and I usually call him a couple times, two three times a year. But just got off the phone with him a couple of weeks ago. He's still in incredible shape. His mind is still sharp as ever, and he's in you know in his late nineties or mid nineties. And um, he's an incredible he's an incredible man. And as you said, a master motivator. So smart, so emotionally intelligent, um, such a great leader. 
knew the right buttons to push on every person, knew treat everybody fairly, but don't treat everybody the same. You know, was really committed to getting smart football players with high character because he always would say smart guys with high character figure out ways to get better and they figure out ways to win. And so he and Bill Polian put on the field a team of really smart players who were high character people who were team first guys and um, meshed well together. And, you know, I'll be forever grateful for Marty. That's such a huge influence on my life. What, what uh, Coach, what do you do to motivate yourself? I mean, the job that you're in is is a very tough job. And you you call plays still, right? Right. I, I mean, I can't imagine the pressure cooker and the intensity, uh, that level of intensity that's required there. What, what do you do to when you're down to, to kind of motivate yourself and get yourself going? Yeah, just always keeping your eyes forward. You know, there's always an opportunity and knowing that, you know, whether it's after a tough loss or, you know, one loss or a tough season, you know, the way we ended last season, you know, looking at it like a great learning lesson, you know, like it wasn't, yes, there's a quote unquote failure aspect to it, but really what it was, was an opportunity to learn and get better and to be better prepared for the next challenge ahead and to, to scale new heights. And so I believe you always have to own your mistakes. You have to own your, you know, what you've put on tape or what, you know, what you've done the results that you put out there as a player, as a coach, but uh, always know there's other chapters to write, you know, and that the story's not over. And that enables me to kind of keep a positive outlook. And then, like I said, I'm always being grounded in my faith in Christ and, and what that means to me. And um, not that it doesn't takes away all the, the anxiety and worries that sometimes can come across us in football or in life, but just gives you a perspective and a strength to face those with confidence. Yeah. Speaking of challenges, I don't need to delve into this too much, but Andrew Luck's retirement obviously stunned the Colts nation and a lot of people. Did you, because you were a quarterback, because you played that position, did that, in terms of understanding the thought process that he was going through, did that play any you know, any factor in that? No doubt. I mean, I think it helped me connect with Andrew on a personal level, you know, and it helped us connect quickly, I think. And so um, as he went through that process, I mean, there was part of that process I felt like I was going through with him as his coach. And then there was part of that process I felt like I was going through that with him as his friend. You know, so I'll look, I'll always look back on that, always be thankful for the opportunity that I had to be part of that, to be able to be talking with him and, and to listen what he was going through personally and hear him express it and how he was working through it. You know, try to offer encouragement and counsel where I could. Ultimately, it's a decision that he had to make, but really not, you know, I mean, it hurt to lose a guy who was one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, didn't like that as the coach didn't like losing our starting quarterback, but as a friend, I really appreciate, and as a coach, you know, seeing the an experience, what a player is going through in that situation, I think helps, helps me as well. Do, do you stay in touch with, with Andrew now? Yeah, quite a bit, actually. You know, I mean, um, it comes and goes in spells, but, you know, we, we keep in touch via text and phone call and, you know, he still has a home here in Indianapolis. So, you know, Visit you think he's, he's feeling great about his his decision, his life, and just things in general. I think he's really excited about his life and where things are headed, and as a you know, has a clear direction on where I think he's going and and what that's going to look like. And 
Uh, you know, things can always change for any of us, but I, I think he's very excited and I'm very happy for, for he and Nicole and their family. Final question uh, for you, Coach. What do you do to relax? I mean, you, again, you're in a pressure cooker. That's uh, getting ready to ramp up here for the uh, uh, the regular season. Uh, is, it, is it music? Is it well, – what is it? What do you do to relax? Yeah, um, you know, probably two things. Uh, you know, one is, you know, really three things I would say. You know, spend time with my wife. You know, she's my best friend. She's the confidant, you know, that I have that can talk to about anything. So – can be myself, you know, and so just, you know, simple. She's a great cook. So, you know, go home, <laughs> she'll make a great meal and we'll, and we'll, and the second part is we'll just listen to music. You know, sometimes it's, it's uh, old time seventies rock, classic rock. And okay. I was going to ask you what, what you like. Yeah. Sometimes it's a little James Taylor or you know, her favorites, Elton John, uh, you know, or something along that lines. And then sometimes it's Christian praise music, you know, that kind of takes us to our roots of our Christian faith. And But those are times where I think we can unwind, that we can unwind together and spend time when our family, you know, we have three daughters and two grandchildren and two on the way. So, you know, they're able to come up for a few games here and there now that hopefully COVID is, you know, backed off that they'll be able to get back up to some games. So spending time with her and spending time with family is, is, is a big time relaxing. Well, Coach, it's uh, been a real treat for you to spend time, to take the time uh, to join me on the on the podcast. With you, wish you nothing but success uh, this year, certainly, but but beyond as well, because uh, your impact on Indianapolis goes far beyond uh, the coaching uh, world, and we really appreciate it. Thanks, Gary. It's my my pleasure. Really, really All enjoyed right. it. And thank you for joining us on this edition of the Business and Beyond podcast, presented by PNC. It's a weekly conversation with achievers in business, sports, entertainment, and beyond. And you can download all of our episodes, all 80-plus episodes, and get Indiana Business News 24-7 at InsideIndianaBusiness.com. I'm Gary Dick. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.